1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Nurse, beautiful move, to the net, reach out score! And end the chip completes
2: a dramatic comeback! Cassie left him from the David Crystal What a shot! Top right corner, unbelievable! Two
1: Flyers draped all over him. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Breed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
2: Into the long weekend we go. It was an early goal for the Carolina Hurricanes. Warren Fogle scored 17 seconds into the first period. That is the only goal of the game so far. Early second period. Hurricanes lead the Capitals 1-0. Caps are up 2-1 in the best of the, se- in the best of seven. Bottom of the hour, Blues and Jets. Game 5 back in Winnipeg. The road team has won every game in the series. At 8 o'clock tonight, the Golden Knights will take on the Sharks. Lady Bing finalists in the NHL. Sean Monaghan from Calgary, Alexander Barkoff from Florida, and Ryan O'Reilly from the Buffalo Sabres. The Blue Jays winning earlier today 7-4 over the Twins. And the Edmonton Oilers have assigned defenseman Evan Bouchard to the Bakersfield Condors. He's expected to join the Condors for Game 1 of their Calder Cup playoff series tomorrow against the Colorado Eagles. Of course, the 19-year-old signed his ELC with the Oilers last July. Spent this season with the London Knights... 53 points in 45 games, plus 28. And he led the OHL playoffs in scoring through two rounds with 21 points in 11 games. The Knights, though, eliminated in the second round of the playoffs on Tuesday, a Game 7 loss to the Guelph Storm. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched. We had a great time last night with two members of the Edmonton Oil Kings in studio, defenseman Connor McDonald and his D partner Wyatt McLeod. We've had them in three times, and they want to keep coming back between every round. And if they were to come back one more time, that means they're going to the league final. So they start their series tomorrow in Prince Albert, Game 2 Saturday. They're back home for Games 3 and 4 at Rogers Place Tuesday and Wednesday. We would like to send you to Game 4. We also want to give you a game-worn autographed Matthew Robertson jersey, number 22, and you get four tickets to the 630 Ched Loge table for the game on Wednesday. So what you have to do here, you go to 630Ched.com and you enter the code word. And Kellen, it's actually a a series of words today. Cool. It's the code words. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Fear the roar. Ooh. (laughs) Kellen's titillated. Ooh. Fear the roar is the code word. Contest page on 630Ched.com. Your chance to win the game-worn Matthew Robertson autographed jersey and four tickets at the 6.30 Chet Loge table for uh, Game 4 on Wednesday night. That is uh, pretty cool. I have, uh, I have only been in Rogers' place once as a patron. It was not for a hockey game. But I hear a lot of good things about those lowest tables. So that's uh, that's really cool. So go to the contest page on 630ched.com. All right, we'll keep you updated on all the NHL playoff action throughout the show. Our weekly guest, the one and only Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. I'm a week into the NHL playoffs, and uh, man, we've got some, uh, some good hockey. It's uh, been an eventful week. I, I guess we'll just start with story number one and it's funny, this this might be one of the most remembered hockey stories of the year. It might even be, well, I'm not going to say it's going to be bigger than whatever team winds Mm -hmm. up winning the Stanley Cup, but it's going to be up there, and it's going to be remembered for a long time. How the heck, in your mind, does Columbus not just eliminate Tampa Bay, but sweep the lightning?
1: Well, first of all, nobody expected either of those scenarios. I I think that... uh You know, with Tampa, unfortunately, the the great season they had, I don't think they were ever tested enough, and uh, you know they didn't play a meaningful game for months. And you can't go into the playoffs that way. You have to have some sort of urgency to your game. And even though they played fantastic down the stretch, I just don't feel as though they they felt that they were going to be challenged that much. And you know, you look at Columbus. And the example I'll use, because you and I talked about it, when Columbus came through Alberta about three weeks ago, ballpark, not long after the trade deadline, they uh, picked up Duchesne and Dezingle, and uh, I spoke to Tortorello the morning that they played Calgary, and uh, he was quite worried. He said, you know, right now, our guys aren't handling the pressure very well. This is a little bit too overwhelming for them. Some have never been in this situation where because of the moves, we are expected to make the playoffs, and it's uh, it seems to be uh, a big burden for some of these guys. He said, but if we do make the playoffs, we're going to be a really good team. And uh, he was exactly right because once they figured it out and once they didn't worry about that pressure – then they were really playing well, and you know they they came into the playoffs and they they knew about being battle tested. They knew about trying to get the best out of themselves uh, when t- times are tight. And I think that's the difference. I you know they're they're not as good a team as Tampa, but it doesn't matter. They uh, they had better performances from a lot of guys. In fairness, I think uh, it sounds like Stamkos was. Uh, uh, injured and at quite a significant injury, so he didn't uh, have much to give. Hedman was out for most of the series, and when he was playing, he wasn't very good. So, you know, I guess it, it just looks like a perfect storm after a nearly perfect season. Well, I'm with you about
2: how they were playing in March, Kelly, and the Oilers played Columbus twice in March after the trade deadline, and, and Rob and I watched yeah. those games and thought they went all in with these trades and they got all these unrestricted free agents and they had no energy. I thought that Josh Anderson looked good and I thought yep. Seth Jones looked good. And after that, there wasn't much else. So to see them, I don't want to say flip the switch, that's probably not a fair term to use, but to kind of put it together and basically the last 10% of the regular season and then as John Cooper said, they, they beat us, they were a better team for, for six days and that and that kills the lightning season. I mean, do you think the lightning have to... They're certainly not going to make major changes. You wouldn't think, would they, or do you think this means they have to do a little bit of soul searching and and you know go down that path? Well, are we built for the postseason type mentality?
1: Well, I think they are going to have to make some changes. Uh, first of all, they have some cap issues, so uh, they they have to find a way to get to uh, Braden Point signed. Uh, that's going to be a huge issue because I'm not sure what his his worth is, but you have to think. Uh, not only stats-wise, but how he's regarded in the hockey community. He's got to be say a $10 million a year player. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Brian Burke last night uh, showed a graphic in his segment. I think they only have uh, something like 6-point-some million cap space available for next year. So they're going to have to do something. They have some older free agents uh, unrestricted that, that I, I don't think it's going to be an issue they'll most likely let move on. But Ultimately, uh, they have to find a way to fit point in and, and uh, maybe add a little bit just because they need maybe a little bit more of a spark, kind of like Nashville. Uh, I don't know what what's going to happen in that series, but... Nashville, they sputtered the entire season for the most part. And it, it looked to me, and we even talked to it around trade deadline on our show, that they look kind of stale, and they still do. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Dallas, and if they do, I don't know how much further they can go. But there's, there need to be changes there as well. Okay Kelly so the number one seed in the east is out
2: to the number one seed in the west on the brink of elimination and that is the Calgary Flames and uh, I mean I I loved what the Flames did all year they got the depth they got the defense Uh, I thought the goalies were were better than a lot of people were giving them credit for and I don't think that's been a problem in this series Uh, but, but Colorado has them on the ropes here what's going on in your mind there?
1: It's interesting because uh, covering the Flames, uh, for the most part, I never really found them at any point uh, to get nervous. And and they were really good. And then yet last night, uh, with about, I don't know, seven, eight minutes left in the third, they were nursing a 2-1 lead, and all of a sudden nobody could make a play. Nobody could handle the puck. And it was basically throughout their entire lineup. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? this game's in jeopardy. I don't know if they're going to be able to hang on because uh, I just hadn't to um, watch out all season long. You know, they, they look good when it's two nothing. And then shortly after uh call out of and, and then still for a few minutes, I thought, okay, they're, they look fine. They're good. They're, you know, they're not making any major mistakes and they're handling the puck and so on. And, uh, but I go back, I guess, to the first three games of the series. They won game one, and I didn't think they were all that that good. They were about two and a half minutes away from winning game two. and But yet I didn't think they would really played that well, and they off awful in game three. So those three games, they didn't play as well as they can. I thought last night, other than uh, the last seven minutes when they looked afraid, I thought they played really well, especially in the second period. Um, so I think they just have to go into the game tomorrow night, um, playing like they did for the most part yesterday and whatever happens, happens because, uh, you know, you can't dwell on things and Colorado, you have to give them lots of credit. They are flying and not just the, uh, the top line. They have a lot of guys that are playing well, including Comfort. Uh, I'm, I've been a big fan of the last couple of years of Soderbergh. And on the back end, they moved the puck really well. And is, uh he's playing mean. He's, he's had a really good series as well. Kelly, Rudy joining
2: us on Inside Sports, as he does every week. One of the other big stories this week, Kelly, was Svechnikov and Ovechkin getting into a fight that didn't last long, I mean, Sveshnikov was looking for it and Ovechkin said, yep. okay, I'll give it to you. Uh, yep. You know, you, And you played in an era, certainly early in your career too, uh, into the early 90s when there, were, there was more fighting. I mean, there wasn't brawling like there might have been in the 70s, but there was more yeah. fighting. Uh-huh. From your position in the goal crease or even a game where you might have been a backup, what is the most lopsided fight that you remember witnessing in person?
1: Well, there would have been a few uh, with Clark Gillies and, uh, and some of his teammates like uh, Bob Nystrom and, and uh, a couple other guys, you know, who was sneaky, uh, tough as Bob Bourne. He was a lefty, and he snuck up on a few guys. Uh, in L.A., of course, uh, Marty and Jay Miller. And I remember getting in the car after a game uh, every once in a while with my wife, and I'd go, oh, my gosh, what a tough job that would be. Like, you just hate that. But, Reed, when, uh, when you sent me that text today, I was thinking back and I wasn't in the building, but the one that really grabbed my attention was uh, when I played in the Western Hockey League, there's a guy by the name of Jim McTaggart. He is from uh, Melford, I believe. And he was playing in Billings and he ruled the roost. I mean, he was bar none for two years. Or at least his last year in the Western Hockey League, he he owned that league and nobody touched him. He I think he had somewhere in around 300 penalty minutes. Ultimately, he ended up playing for the Washington Capitals. And I was uh, uh, watching sports one night, and I'm thinking, oh boy. And I'd heard about the fight, but he fought Bob Nystrom, and that. I can say definitively that that ended his NHL career, but he was never the same sort of guy. I think he had ballpark close to 200 minutes that first year with the Washington Capitals. He played, I don't know, 15 or 20 games the next year, and I think he had like four penalty minutes. I mean, it changed him completely from going around being a fairly tough guy to he just couldn't do it anymore. And I don't know, if again, if that ruined his career, But that's kind of... What can happen? I mean, I saw some guys get pretty good looking, and then they were afraid the rest of their career. And so I'm not suggesting that's going to happen to the young kid in Carolina because he's not known as a fighter and he shouldn't have been fighting. But, uh, you know, it's, it, that's such a tough job. I have utmost respect for a guy that lays it on the line, even if he loses. Do you, like, like, do
2: you question what Sveshnikov is thinking out there? looking for it I mean clearly to my mind clearly he wasn't just trying to agitate Ovechkin he wanted to fight him
1: yeah he did yeah, well you know I can't uh, I'm, I'm not in his head I don't know what he's thinking I haven't talked to him doubt I ever will about the fight but I suspect there was something uh, about uh, the Russian uh, part of it as well like I want to show everybody not only I'm a great player but I'm I'm a gamer and who better to go after than Vetskin. and uh, that was just a, a bad bad mistake and uh, I'm sure that uh, he'll never do anything so uh, ridiculous again well, Ovechkin looked like you
2: going after a sushi platter, Kelly. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you got that. Well, well, we always work in food at some point, so I saved it till the end this time
1: around. <laughs> all right. Thanks, buddy. I like it. Kelly,
2: uh, have a great Easter weekend and enjoy all the hockey, man. We'll talk to you next week. You got it. Thanks, Reese. And speaking of food. As we often do with Kelly, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Don't forget about their brunch, Northern Chicken style, buttermilk biscuits, sausage gravy, and smashed potatoes. Sundays, 11 a.m. until 2. Visit NorthChickenYEG.com. Great to have Kelly Rudy on the show. Still, oh, over. Ovechkin just scored. Ovechkin just scored. So one-one now. Capitals and Hurricanes. Nine twenty-five left in the second period. Back after the break.
1: You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 630 CH.
2: Yeah, it was a classic Ovechkin one-timer on the power play his second of the playoffs. So 1-1 Capitals and Hurricanes 7:21 left in the second period. Tomorrow, the Calgary Flames will try to stave off elimination at home, Game Five of their series against the Avalanche. Kelly and I were talking about it. Flames finished first in the West. The Avs had to scramble to get that second wild card spot. Flames forward Matthew Kachuk says it's time to get back to the brand of hockey that made them one of the best teams in the league during the regular season. I mean, time is kind of running out. We got We got to start finding a way to play our best best hockey, and and. Uh, you know, no better time to do it than in Game Five here, in front of our fans. You know, we're going to need them to be, you know, the loudest, the most passionate. They've been all year to to help turn this around for us. That's a surprise to me. Obviously, a huge surprise that Columbus not, or that yeah, Columbus knocked off Tampa Bay. I really like that Flames roster all year long. A very deep, good defense. Giordano might win the Norris. Uh, I, you know, I thought, and Mike Smith is not the reason they're behind in the series. I, I mean, I think the goaltending's been quite good. But, but Kelly mentioned it, that maybe there's a little bit of doubt that has all of a sudden crept into the Flames game here once they've got into the playoffs. They're in a tough situation. Things I, I, I'm just not writing them off because I think they can come back home and, and get energized, but certainly Colorado smelling blood at this point. It has been an unpredictable first round of the playoffs. Kellen, your buddy, uh, Jamie Nye. He used to work here. I don't know if you were here when he was here. Uh, We just missed each other, I think. But he's a host of the Green Zone on CJME Radio in Regina. They had a contest on their station. You had to just fill out the playoff brackets. And he put on Twitter, they had about 130 entries. One person picked Columbus. Wow. (laughs) To beat Tampa Bay. Now, the thing is, that person also picked Pittsburgh to win the Stanley Cup. Oh. So so they, they didn't go with Tampa to win the Stanley Cup. So they were right there, but the team they did go with is the other team that gets swept out of the first round of the playoffs. All right. We'll keep you updated on the scoreboard here. We got some good football talk coming up. Eddie Steele, Edmonton Eskimo, has announced his retirement. He talked to Morley Scott about that. And a cool story here, Dave Hackshaw, after 14 years in the CFL, is going to the NFL. You'll hear his story.
1: Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast.
4: Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts.
1: This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Well, thanks a
2: lot for tuning in tonight. So 1-1 Washington and Carolina, now two and a half minutes left in the second period. Blues and Jets about to get underway in Winnipeg. That series is tied 2-2. The home team has yet to win a game. And then at 8 o'clock, the Sharks on home ice trying to stave off elimination. The Golden Knights lead that series three games to one. There will be two games tomorrow. The Maple Leafs will play the Bruins. That series tied at two. And then eight o'clock tomorrow, the Flames home to the Avalanche. And as we were just talking about, the Avs up 3-1 in that series. Evan Bouchard, Oilers first-round draft pick, 10th overall from last year, has had his season end with the London Knights in the OHL. He had 21 points in 11 playoff games. He's joining the Bakersfield. Condors is expected to play game one of their best-of-five first-round play series tomorrow as they visit the Colorado Eagles. The uh, Condors do have home ice advantage, but they'll start with two on the road in the best of five and then get games three, four, and five if necessary, all on home ice. All right, you can text us at 630-630. Our phone number is 780 I would also like to let you know that the St. Albert Slash female midget AAA team are going to Nationals, to the SO Cup in Sudbury. Their first game is Sunday against Quebec. They beat the Greater Vancouver Comets to win the Pacific region. The Slash going for their third consecutive national championship. And Taylor Anker, who uh, plays for the Slash, is going to join us later on on Inside Sports. Uh, she's one of a few players... That are going for the, I mean, the, the team itself is going for the three-peat. She's going for the three-peat as well. She's been on the previous two championship teams. So pretty successful program there. The St. Albert Slash will uh, put them in the spotlight a little bit later on. Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the uh, window. Kellen, how are you doing, old boy? Doing good. How about yourself? Any wrestling for you to take in this Easter weekend?
4: No, no, no. It's uh, kind of a down period now after all the big hullabaloo at the beginning of the month. So Now, are you wrestled
2: out? Do you need a break from it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> After, pretty much. After uh, seeing yeah, what did you really see, a, like WrestleMania plus a wrestling event every day for five days? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, what was it like? Nine events over five days, something like that. So, nine of nine actual wrestling events? Nine different events over five days. Yes. My goodness, you must have been doing suplexes in your sleep. Oh, I slept very well, Reed. Very well. Sounds dangerous. All right. Well, after a nine year CFL career, including four seasons with the Eskimos, Canadian defensive lineman Eddie Steele has decided to hang up the cleats. Morley Scott talked with him about making that decision and also one of his best memories, winning the Great Cup with the Eskies in 2015.
4: What's most special about that Great Cup was the game itself playing, it was played in Winnipeg. Uh, You know, my hometown, having the opportunity to win it in front of all my friends, my family. I remember warming up for the game and just looking around the stadium and I saw so many familiar faces. Old teachers, old coaches, friends that I had gone to grade school with. And they were all just calling my name, waving at me. And that's a moment that I'll always remember for sure was being in Winnipeg, playing that Grey Cup and winning the Grey Cup.
0: Through all that, all that you went through... Um you're approaching the end of a career would you change anything
4: You know what I, I looking back and that's a that's a really good question because you know you always feel that you could change things about your career your situation but um I went about it the right way I feel you know I I was a good teammate, I always worked hard, I took it very seriously, you know, as I should, it was my job, but I've seen a lot of guys come and go who maybe don't take it as seriously, don't take the film watching, the working out, the practices seriously, Um, but I really, uh, it was important to me, and I feel that's a testament to why I lasted uh, nine years in the CFL, Uh, I was a captain on every team I played for, at every level of football that I've played, and that's something that's important to me too, so... So I don't think I would change too much, um, you know. Another great cup or two, yeah. That added to the resume, that'd be nice. But, you know, I got my great cup. I know a lot of guys who played 10, 12 years chasing the great cup, and they never had that opportunity. Um, you know, met a lot of great people, a lot of great relationships um, because of the game of football. And it's really done me well in my life. So I wouldn't change too much, no. What's your status right now as a CFL player? Uh, right now as a CFL player, I am retired essentially uh it has not officially been announced um i have talked to some teams um but you know i actually had to even turn down some teams who have offered um i never would have thought that uh, being a, a kid from winnipeg always wanted to play for my hometown team but here i am at the end of the road and i actually had to turn them down uh, in terms of contract offer um i am moving into a, a new phase of life uh it's a very Awesome transition, you know. I'm, I know a lot of guys who struggle with the transition once football is over, and I've done a lot of things uh, in the past couple years to set myself up in a position uh, where the transition will be seamless. Uh, so I'm going to be working uh, with a company called Share Canada. It's will be in sales, uh, a chemical maintenance company, and um, move to the city of Edmonton. Edmonton is going to be home. Uh, My family and I were out here, my four years that I played here, I fell in love with the city, the community, and the people, Um, built some really good relationships out here, and there's a really great opportunity for me in the business, so that's where I'm going to be transitioning into. Um, I played football for 17 straight years, so is it going to be difficult to transition? To a degree, yeah, because you know, it's what I've done for so long, but I tell people that's just it. It's what I've done. It's not who I am. I know that the end is inevitable and you have to do something else. Uh, You can't play football forever. There's only one Tom Brady on earth. (laughs) So you got to be prepared because the end happens. And for a lot of guys, I've seen it where the end comes very fast They have no control over how it ends, and they're left stuck. They're left broken, and I'm trying to do everything in my power not to be in that position and to set myself and my family up for success for the long term.
0: As you were walking off the field in your last game this year with Saskatchewan, did you know? Did you think at the time this is it?
4: You know, I I did because I had some talks with my wife. Uh, I, I essentially, to be honest, it's amazing how things have happened because... In the month of September is kind of when I started really thinking about it and deciding that this might be my last season. And that's when statistically I started playing my best football uh, ever since the 2014 season with the Eskimos. So it's uh, it's amazing how that works because you would think with the success that I had to finish the year, I would want to come back and chase after it one more time. But that's just it I don't want to have to chase the game of football Um, I'm not one of the type of guys that wants to play until the wheels fall off because the reality is I have my health uh, I have a gray cup I have a Vanier cup um, played in over 130 games in the CFL not including playoffs so there's not much more I need from the game of football so I'm I'm very at peace with uh, the decision I've made But you're not turning your phone off, right? I'm not turning my phone off, but I'll tell you now, it needs to be really worth it because I'm not selling myself out to go get banged up for uh, for pennies so you know if it financially it, it lined up correctly I would entertain it but I'm definitely not out there chasing it and I'm not going to jump on anything quickly because I have a really good opportunity with the business that I'm involved in and you know eventually sooner or later be it now or uh, next year for example, if I did play, I still got to transition into life after football. And the longer you play football, uh, it, the later you are at life. It's starting out real life after football, and you're kind of just a rookie at an older point, a rookie entering life. So um, football is great in that aspect, but at the same time, it's, it's difficult because the longer you play, um, the more difficult it is for you to uh, adapt to life after football. In a month. Training camps will be opening up.
0: That's probably gonna be difficult for you to to start seeing pictures and hearing interviews and, and, and seeing a lot of chatter on social media about the starting camp. Have you thought about that?
4: Yeah, I definitely have thought about it. And um yeah, sure. It'll it'll be a little interesting because yeah, I'll see all the chatter on the social media platforms and I'll be hearing all the updates and whatnot and yeah, part of me will be thinking, ah, I wish I could do that. You know, uh, it's I'm so used to being in that training camp atmosphere. But if I have that mentality and I'm trying to hold on looking at it from the outside in, it's going to just keep me back that much more from trying to progress in the business the way I'm trying to. So, uh, you know, I'm not really overly worried about it. Yeah, I'll miss it. There's no denying that. But I'm not going to be sitting back, um, you know, wishing i could be out there because you know what it has to end eventually for everybody as i said nobody can play into their 40s like a tom brady so i've been very blessed very fortunate with the career i've had selfishly do i want to play 10 years just to say that i've played 10 years yeah but i mean at that point what am i in it for am i in it for just to play 10 years of pro ball and the biggest thing is I'm healthy. You know, I'm getting out healthy. No documented concussions. Sure, I had the knee injury. But other than that, I've been pretty clean in terms of my football career. Um, say I do come back and an injury happens and now i got a rehab and i still got to work in after football. So I'm very at peace with uh, my decision and where I'm at right now. Eddie, thanks for coming in, man.
0: I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck to you in the future. And uh, I know one thing you're going to enjoy, you're going to get to go to the park. In the summertime, on the weekend with your
4: kid, right? A summer. Uh, That is one thing I'm looking forward to. I haven't had a summer or even going back to high school ball, I haven't had a September or October off of football for 17 straight years every evening i've had a football practice or something with football so i'm looking forward to a summer and getting to be able to go away on the weekends like you say and just spend time with my family because that's uh that's very important to me
0: eddie you beat the odds with the knee injury you came back and played again you won a great cup Uh, as you said nine-year career a pretty good one too uh congrats on all that good luck going forward
2: thank you i appreciate it morley very honest interview Morley Scott talking to Eddie Steele, who was a 2015 Grey Cup champion with the Edmonton Eskimos. Eddie ready to move on to life after football. Really good stuff there. Very interesting. Winnipeg, Adam Lowry scoring 12 seconds into the first period. Jets up 1-0 on the Blues early. We're back after the break.
1: You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Jets get an early goal.
2: They're up 1-0 on the Blues five minutes into the first period. Carolina has gone ahead of Washington now after two. Tara Vinan. Gets his first of the postseason at 1932 of the second period. So 2-1 Canes leading the Caps. We will keep you posted. Reed Wilkins taking you into your long weekend. Hope all is well. Really appreciate you tuning in. Well, this is interesting stuff here. We got a uh, CFL official, a veteran official of 14 years, Dave Hackshaw. And uh, he is saying goodbye to the CFL. And he is going to the NFL. And Dave checks in. Right now. Dave, thanks a lot for joining us on Inside Sports on 630. Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Well, it's it's great to talk to you, Dave. And uh, as I, first of all, I'm just glad to have you on. This is a cool story, and media and officials often don't get to talk on the record. Uh, so I, I appreciate that that you're doing this. Though I know we're not going to break down flags and video review that and stuff like that. But it's it's cool to talk to a, a very important area of sports that that fans and media don't often get to hear from. So I appreciate you doing that. Not a problem. Okay, so uh, I don't know where to start with you. I, you know what? I'm going to go back to the beginning. Okay. Why, why in the heck would you want to be an official? That is a thankless job, Dave.
3: <laughs> you know what? I guess it just uh, it stemmed from my dad, really. You know, I, was, uh, I was playing minor football in, in North Vancouver in a GSL league. Um, and my dad said, why don't you come out on the weekends and uh, referee the games before you play, you know, make a couple extra bucks. And that's really where it started for me. I was started refereeing with my brother. And uh, my dad on the same field, and my dad went on to be a CFL official as well. He was in uh, the CFL from 90 to 95, and he worked uh, when the American Expansion was on. And so he worked with the likes of a lot of the guys that are in the NFL right now, Benavich, Caravada, and and a bunch of guys like that. So it was, um, yeah, that's sort of where it started for me. And then, you know, after you play high school, you... um, you get into officiating high school, and then you play a little bit of junior, and then after you're done junior, you, you start officiating junior. By that time, they kind of have kind of have an eye on you.
2: Dave, whenever I talk to somebody about officiating, I always wind up asking this question, so I'm going to ask it to you as well. And I'm sure you know there's a lot of attrition with uh, officials, and, and there might be young men and women who who start in their teens because they, they love the game and it's another way to be involved. But they don't often stick with it. Reason number one is, you know, life happens. You get involved in different things. You're playing sports. You're, you're chasing an edu- education, whatever. And another thing is, a lot of young people say is, I don't want the abuse. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a teenage kid. I don't need to be yelled at by uh, parents and coaches because they think I'm cheating because I'm not. Right? So how did, how did you survive uh, that part of it? And maybe sometimes I, I'm going to call it abuse that you can take from, from coaches and parents and even players.
3: Yeah, I guess, you know, you get, you get a little bit of abuse, but, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I've got, I worked up into it's now a career of mine, but at at first it was a passion and, uh, I just, I, I had the best seat on the field. You know what I mean? There's no other better way to put it. It It's like I'm out there and I'm watching, you know, I've watched the likes of Calvin McCarty. You know when uh, you know MVP in BC here when he played for I believe it was uh, St Thomas More, and then I've seen John Cornish come up and play through the, the the ranks and stuff like that. So I've seen a lot of guys that I still when I used to see them on the field would say hello. So I just love going out and watching these guys play high school football, and then you know working my way all the way through to where I'm at now. It's you kind of just I don't know if you love it you just you put that put that aside and you still go out there and you know you still have a you know a, a team that you go and officiate with so. You know, at the end of the day, you have a camaraderie with the guys on the field, and you're just doing something you love, really.
2: Uh, In the CFL, you've primarily been a side judge? I started on the line of scrimmage. That's where I came in.
3: And then I think after about four years, uh, George Black asked me to move down deep. So, you know, I've said in a previous article I was talking about this week, you know, right place, right time. Would have I made the NFL if I was still on the line of scrimmage? Maybe not, because... Um, you know, they, they were really only looking at swapping the deep guys. So it's just, you know, it's just funny how the, the cookie crumbles and you get dealt the cards you don't.
2: Okay, I, I do I do have to ask you this question, and I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to ask about specific calls, but the side judge, that is one position that would have been really affected by the replay challenge and the reviews of interference. You know, when that came in as an official, that this is your livelihood and you take pride in, in doing it right, how did you feel about the replay being introduced to something that you would be calling or not calling quite often during a game.
3: <clears throat> yeah. Well, ultimately I can't speak about specifics on plays and stuff like that, but, uh, as officials, you know, at the end of the day, we want to get the calls, right. So, you know, if there's something there that's going to help us walk off the field and feel good about the game, then, and that, you know, that we're, that we've got it right because, uh, the replay guy that's in the booth, he's on our team as well. So at the end of the day, as long as uh, we're walking off the field and we feel good about ourselves and the, and the, the, the calls went the way that they should have gone, then, then that's a good game.
2: Oh, trust me, Dave. I'm not going to open the Pandora's box of specific calls. We'll be here all night if we had listeners involved. <laughs> that's that's the that's the fun part. Uh, okay, so tell me a little bit about uh, because I remember it was a couple of years ago there was kind of a crossover with the the NFL and the CFL to develop some officials and, and 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 do that kind of stuff. So tell us a little bit, I guess, about about getting notice and ultimately getting this opportunity. Yeah. So
3: you know, I guess I was. Fourteen years, so I was probably about my tenth year in the in the CFL, and um, I just come off working the Grey Cup in uh, in where was it? It was in Winnipeg, and um, it was just in the springtime, and I was just sort of getting going on my rule study and stuff like that before we started up our camp. And I got a call from Glenn Johnson, and he says uh, we're going to be starting a partnership up with the NFL, and we'd like you to be a part of it to go down there and uh, and to work alongside. Um, the guys in the NFL, and I was going to get to go to a training camp, their clinic, uh, an OTA, and referee a preseason game, and then maybe sh- do a shadow game later in December, which was, uh, I got to go to New York, but uh, so that's sort of where it started, and then, you know, like, so the opportunity was there right away, you know, they coined it as kind of like, you know, hopefully one of our guys gets recognized and can get hired down there, so I kind of took that as if, like, if here's an opportunity, let's make the most of it, so
2: any Absolutely. difference? Any differences for you from one league to the other? I know a lot of players who come up talk about the waggle. They got offensively or defensively, the receivers can can hit the line going at full speed. What, what are some of the differences for a side judge? If well,
3: any- you know, like so because I've I've officiated three preseason games down there. Uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, the NFL's got to be so much faster, it's way faster. You know what, it's the receivers and the players in the CFL are, e- like, equally just as fast down there. I think that the thing that makes, or up here, sorry, the thing that makes the speed of the game down there so fast is the size of the field. You know, it being quite a bit of a smaller field, things are, things are coming at you on the sideline quite a bit quicker. Um, so that's one big difference that I've noticed. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to have to adjust to that to, to, you know, to make it a career down there. Um, you know, obviously the receivers aren't allowed to move, um, you know, unless they're going laterally. You have one guy in motion in the NFL, but if you know, you know, they can't come forward towards the line of scrimmage in the in the NFL. So, but as a deep side guy, typically I'm watching the number one receiver on the outside, and then, and sort of that's and that's the same down there. We have the five yard no yards or not no yards. We do that, but we have the five yard sort of uh, legal contact buffer zone there. And all those roles are pretty much the same within the uh the cfl and the nfl so that's sort of why i think they picked our position to do the partnership and the in so because it was equally almost you know we were looking at the same things
2: all right well the nfl schedule came out yesterday i I assume you gotta wait a while to to know where you're going is it is going to be kind of a week-by-week schedule or how far in advance will you know
3: Uh, usually I think they give you a a schedule about a month out and then every, every week they give you a a new game sort of thing. So yeah, and I, I have no idea where, where I'm heading yet. Uh, you know, I know I'm going to New York for a clinic next, uh, next month and that's sort of where I'm at so far.
2: Well, Dave, really cool. Thanks for sharing your story. And, uh, this is a cool opportunity for you to work in the, in the NFL. So thanks for checking in tonight on Inside Sports and all the best.
3: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, um, yeah.
2: Excellent. Thank you. That is Dave Hackshaw checking in. So his story of his uh, dad was an official in the CFL. He follows in the footsteps, 14 years in the CFL, and now he'll go be a side judge in the National Football League. We're back after the 7 o'clock news.
1: 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.